objects can tell us a lot. They can tell us more than we might normally assume. This is 100 Years, 100 Objects. Stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums. I'm Millie Wellborn, a museum assistant for Lancaster City Museums, and today we'll be looking at the stories behind another object from our collections as we celebrate 100 years of our museums. Today, on 100 Years, 100 Objects, we're sailing into a little-known part of the history of Lancaster and Morecambe with an object that tells us about the experience of World War I refugees here. Today's object is a model boat made by Michelle Leal. The model is rather large, being roughly a metre across and a metre high with all the sails and rigging. It is made from wood which has been stained a rich chestnut colour and the sails are made from a rough yellowish fabric. It depicts a wide flat bottomed boat used in Europe called a hougars, which is a type of sloop. This particular model depicts a fishing boat which would have been used on rivers. It was made by Michel Lille, a Belgian refugee who stayed in Lancaster during World War I. We spoke to Henry Holborn, who has researched the history of the model and its maker. Michel Lille was a Belgian refugee and he came from Antwerp and he basically was one of the many refugees that visited uh, or stayed in Britain during their time during the First World War. The Belgian refugees in, in, in exile was a result of the German invasion of Belgium, which occurred in August 1914. And the German army had invaded Belgium, and this led to a mass exodus of refugees, mostly going to neutral Netherlands, but also going to France and then going elsewhere. And a large group of them were congregated in Antwerp, but later on in September, the siege of Antwerp led to mass refugee crisis and many people took boats from Antwerp fleeing to Britain and Britain was deeply involved in the removal process and the original reason why Britain went to war in 1914 was to protect Belgian neutrality. So there was a lot of general widespread sympathy for Belgian refugees. Roughly 250,000 came to Britain, mostly via boats from Ostend to Folkestone, and then was spread around the rest of Britain from there. Henry went on to explain what a refugee's experience of Lancaster and Morecambe might have been like. In many ways, they were warmly welcomed. Uh, there was an initial sympathy, if you like, for Belgian refugees, particularly as Belgium was a key role in British propaganda efforts to raise funds and also raise recruitment to the armed forces. So there was a widespread philanthropic approach to supporting refugees, and the British state to some extent supported refugees through the local government board, although they were kind of restricted in the amount of funds that they provided. So in many cases they were initially warmly welcomed by lots of uh, local communities. However, they did come under the Aliens Restrictions Act, which meant as non-British nationals they had to register with the police and would be faced with fines and restrictions if they were not complying with the Act. But in many cases the local press initially welcomed refugees and put out calls for people to take take them on into their houses and to generally support funds and relief 
and you get cases of trade unions showing solidarity with refugees, for example, providing benevolent funds. However, as the war continued, the situation became a bit more precarious, and you might say they went from a situation of being treated benevolently to ambivalent, and also quite a lot of mistrust, especially around the era of spy fever, and there was a lot of suspicions about the nationality or the loyalty of Belgian refugees. And so increasingly uh, they were restricted, um, but they were also confined mostly to either areas that had a lot of space residentially, so places like Blackpool that had a lot of boarding houses or hotels that had space to occupy refugees, or they were either in places of the military industrial complex if you like so in many cases they were in employment in arms and you get this in Barrow and Furness but also in Burtley which is in County Durham you get purpose-built mass projectile factories which were in some cases solely occupied by Belgian refugees and whilst they were there they were confined and constrained in a lot of ways and they were also tightly surveyed by the government also, the Belgian government sent their own police, and the gendarmes as they were called, to maintain and keep an eye on the Belgian refugees. So they were generally quite warmly welcomed by people who were wanting to help and by local associations, religious associations, societies and trade unions. But in many ways they were surveyed and oppressed by the state in a lot of respects. This situation changed a lot later on in the war and towards the era of repatriation, uh, whereby there was a forced effort at repatriating Belgian refugees. In many ways, this was to try and support the reconstruction of Belgium, which had been severely damaged in many parts of the landscape by the, by the conflict. So there was a deep suspicion of Belgians that did remain after the conflict. So their position in British society transitioned quite a lot and was in many ways quite precarious. But what about Michel Lille? What happened to him after the war? Uh, we're not sure yet what happened to Michel Lille, but it's very likely that he was repatriated in January 1919, as by this stage the vast majority of refugees in exile had been repatriated by January and this was largely because of transnational efforts to repatriate the refugees. The Belgian government supported this scheme as did the British government and there were notices written to individuals saying we'll provide you transport to be repatriated essentially. However we're not entirely sure about his whereabouts because I've, I've tried to locate his repatriation card but I haven't been able to yet. So it's likely that he was repatriated as by the 1921 census there were only roughly 10,000 people of Belgian nationality in Britain. So going from 250 to 10,000 we can kind of see that dramatic shift. Not many Belgian refugees stayed on in Britain. Uh, although those that did were still ostracised to, to a large extent through the Aliens Restrictions Act. And by August 1919, there was a central register which showed that there were in uh, North Lancashire 89 in Blackpool, 35 in Barrow, 10 in Preston and 1 in Lancaster remained by August 1919. So it's possible that Michelle Lille was still in the area, but we're not entirely sure. I haven't found any newspaper extracts to confirm or deny that yet.
We asked Henry to explain how the model boat ended up in the museum and also to explain why the story of the Belgian refugees in this area is such a hidden history now. I came across this model boat through reading the local newspaper at the time, which was the Lancaster Guardian and the Morecambe Guardian. And this, this is the first instance we get of finding out about the boat. And it tells us that the model boat was presented by Michelle Leal in 1915 to the mayor and uh, it was warmly welcomed. There was a kind of ceremony and they accepted this model boat as a, as a gift as for the generous hospitality that it, it received. Um, so there was quite a lot of civic pride immune with this model boat. And from there it stayed at the town hall from 1915. Uh, and then the later newspaper extract we get is 1924, uh, where it was transferred from the town hall to the city museum. So there was a remembrance around it afterwards in the post-war era. He also designed and built uh, two other model boats that are in the uh, Maritime Museum. One is based on a water witch, which is a canal boat, and uh, the other one is another kind of fishing, a shrimper vessel. So. He, he was probably quite skilled in terms of designing boats. We've been fortunate enough to collaborate with the Mass Museum in Antwerp, who've also found similar models designed by Michel Leal that were built just before the First World War, but they kind of give us an indication that he was, by this time, quite a skilled craftsperson in terms of making model boats. So in many ways, they were considered as a hidden history because of the transient nature of their stay. They were... In many ways, uh, it was kind of a short period in which they stayed in Britain. But it's important to note that they weren't a homogenous group, although they were kind of seen in those terms. You know, they're considered as all part of Belgian nationality, although there were multiple different groups within them and, and multiple different linguistic groups as well. So the vast majority actually came from the Flemish-speaking area. So 25% of the entire refugee community were from Antwerp, the city itself, but there were varied languages that uh, Belgian refugees spoke. Um, so in many ways they were hidden because of their short stay, but also in terms of the kind of post-war crisis that was going on in terms of employment and industry that they were kind of forgotten about and somewhat uh, subdued within the wider memorialization of the conflict. And I think a concentration on combatants meant that civilian stories of the conflict was somewhat neglected and sidelined afterwards. Although it wasn't an entirely hidden history because we get uh, instances such as the boat being talked about in the local newspaper and we also get uh, memorial plaques by other Belgian refugees, various towns in Britain that have these kind of memorial items uh, left over. But in many ways their memory was eclipsed and the centenary really brought on new research and interest in their experience. Uh, so a lot of historians have done really important, valuable work on uncovering this history. Finally, Henry told us what he thinks we can learn from this history and why it is still relevant to us today. I think it helps us appreciate how neglected elements of history can be found lurking in museums, if you like, or, you know, these items that tell us a lot about the interconnectedness of global and local history, but through objects that have been 
to some to some extent forgotten or lost and the fact that they remained also tells us about the social solidarities that there might have been between uh, refugees and people in the community and it kind of conferred a sense of gratitude but also the idea of civic pride was quite emphasized quite a lot with the uh, newspaper extracts and the ceremony that talks about how the object was transferred to the museum. Um, so it kind of tells us a lot about the interaction between local history and migration history, or museums can add to our, our local knowledge as well. I think it's uh, really relevant in terms of how local newspapers and national newspapers perceive migration in general and also talk about refugees as a broad phenomenon, if you like. Um, and I think it is relevant in terms of how the construction of the local identity is included with the construction of migration history. And I think it generally is a good case study to show how objects can tell us a lot. They can tell us more than we might normally assume. Thank you for joining us today on 100 Years, 100 Objects. Join us for other episodes where we look at everything from letters to lighthouses. <laughs>